Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. You know, there's something wrong. Let me tell you what happens. While, and, and, and I know many of you are trying to mess with me today, all right? But I, uh, George and Corey are over here. Lee and Debbie are over there. Teresa's over there. Like, I, I, nice try, but I know where you're all at. I'll, I'll find you. <laughs> See, usually when George is close to the door, he's got to go early. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Amen. You know, um, oh man, it's, it's so funny. I love having fun. You ever like having fun? I love having fun. And um, in case you haven't noticed. But you know, so, so last week, I'm going to tell you what happens while, you know, I, I'm preaching, I'm up here, I'm, I'm giving it my, oh, I'm giving it my heart. I'm trying, I'm preaching and I'm, you know, I'm trying to minister to people and with what God tells me. And, you know, and then you got people watching live stream like, my wife, who wasn't feeling well, she was watching live stream. Kathy Manning's watching live stream. Heather Carruthers was watching live stream. And all of a sudden, I'm up here busting my butt, preaching, and they're on there mocking me. They're on there, oh, poor Troy. What do you mean, poor Troy? Penny, oh, poor Troy. I feel bad for you, Troy. And then she chirps in, and she chirps in. It's like, this is just wrong. Job had those people in his life, too. Feel bad for me? Thank you. The men did. I want to speak to you this morning. How many know what you believe is important? Amen? Here's a verse. Here's something Jesus said. Jesus says this. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus, this is what, something he said. He's, Let me tell you what the enemy. Let me tell you about what Satan does. Satan came, and he comes. He comes to steal. He comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. We see that all throughout Scripture. Okay? But Jesus said, but I... I have come that you have life and that you have it more abundantly. So the promise and the purpose of Jesus was to bring life. He promised it, and that was the very purpose for which he came, right? So here's the question. If the promise and the purpose of Jesus was to bring life, how do I find that life? How many of you want that life? Okay, good. I was going to say, because if you didn't, we'll just go home. Now you're all thinking, man, why didn't I give a different answer? Right? So I did a thing on Wednesday night, and let me tell you something. If you want to have some fun, come to a Wednesday night Bible study. We have a, it's a, kind of a, a little bit more loose. It's kind of a little bit more informal. We do teaching, and there's discussion. It, it's a nice time. I'm telling you what. And, uh, but I went over some stuff. Thank you for that endorsement. My name is Jim Belzano, and I have paid for that endorsement. I approve of that message. It's the culture we're in. And so I did a thing on Wednesday night that was connected to, I've been doing a thing developing what it looks like to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God. And um, because I really think it's important that we understand that. And so I did a thing on belief, and it really struck a chord in me that I'm going to share a little bit this morning. But let me show you what. So, so let's look at the answer for this today. How do I find this life that Jesus came to make sure that we have? All right, first of all, I'm going to take you to John chapter 20, verse 30. This is what John said. He wrote, therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. So John's saying, listen, I wrote this, but there's a whole lot more that I didn't write, okay? But these that I have written, I've written them so that you who read it may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. 
And, and so the connecting point between the life that Jesus purposed and promised and the connecting point between his promise and us living it is belief. So the problem, the problem becomes here and here. Okay, because how many know believing is more than just an intellectual pursuit, but it's also a spiritual pursuit, right? And, and so, so John's saying, look, I've written this because I want you to come to a place where you believe. I was shocked to see that the Greek word pistio that John used for the word belief was used 98 times in his gospel. 98 times. The word is only used a little over 200 times in the whole New Testament. And so John used it 98 times. How many know if you use something 98 times in a discourse, you think it's important? Right? It's kind of like when Penny has to tell me to do something 98 times. It's important. Well, at least it's important to her. Okay? So this is why John wrote. So here's what I want you to So when I read this, and you read what John wrote, and you're looking at this, that you would believe that you may have life. So here's what I want you to know. Your life is in your belief. Your life is in your belief. I would suggest this morning that many of us have a life that is the result of our beliefs. I would suggest this morning that some of us have habits that are a product of our belief. Some of us eat according to our beliefs. That's why I'm so slim. <laughs> right? Your belief, what you believe about something, determines how you act about something. Right? And so I would suggest this morning that I want you to see that, that your life is in your belief. Or I can say it this way, life is in belief. How many know life actually is in belief? L-I-F-E, okay? So listen, so let's talk about this this morning. And I want to take us on a little journey through the book of John. And I think this is incredibly important because I'm telling you today that some of us here, we want a different life. We don't know how to get a different life. We want different aspects of our life. And yet, we don't combine it with faith. We don't combine it with belief. Therefore, we never live the life that we truly want. So let's begin with this. First of all, belief leads us. Where, where does it lead us? Belief leads us, first of all, to kingdom life. Jesus came preaching a message, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. John the Baptist preached it, Jesus preached it, the apostles preached it, and the message was, hey, gang, we got good news for you, that you, living a life in this world, can live a life in the kingdom of God. It's a promise that he made. Now, what did Jesus say? Jesus was having a discussion with Nicodemus in John chapter three, and he looks at Nicodemus, he said, listen to me. He said, truly I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5, Jesus says, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So Jesus is making a declaration unto Nicodemus, and he's saying, listen to me, Nicodemus, the kingdom of God that I have been preaching about is available to all men. Listen to me this morning. The kingdom of God is available to all men, to all flesh. Right? The kingdom of God is available that you live in now as a citizen now with the promises now, and yet there are some to be fulfilled at the second coming of Jesus. Right? And so this kingdom life that is promised is, because how many know there, there's life in the kingdom? Okay, look at this. 
So Jesus promised life in his kingdom while we live life in the kingdoms of the world. I don't have to live today according to the world. I don't have to live according to the thought processes of this world. I don't have to live today under the values of this world. I don't have to live under the culture of this world. I am of a different culture. I am of a different value system. Therefore, I don't have to hate you because you hate me. I don't have to mock you because you mock me. I don't have to be at unrest today because we got political quagmire right and left. I don't have to be. I don't have to be. I don't have to be at unrest. I don't have to be at unease. They can say all they want. And guess what? I'm going to sleep at night and I'm going to sleep like a baby. Until Penny tells me, roll over, you're snoring. And I tell her, it's not me, it's the dog. <laughs> right? Listen, that is, so Jesus promised life in his kingdom while we live in the kingdom of this world. But the fact of the matter is, we allow our life to be dominated by the kingdoms of the world. We allow our thought processes to be dominated by the kingdoms of the world. We allow our emotions to be taken on a yo-yo string by the kingdoms of the world. Come on, how many of you watched a debate, and you watched a debate, and your emotions were shot? <laughs> I'm going over here where I know there's at least one person lying to me. Okay, like I... <laughs> I'm not going to single her out. I'm just going to say that she's on the other side today. Right? That, that, that all of a sudden, I'm watching Christians, people who know Jesus, and they're all tied in knots because of politics. Now listen, I'm going to vote, and I'm going to vote a certain way, and I'm okay, and I know what I want to happen. But I'm going to tell you something. There ain't one bit of it going to steal my peace. There ain't one bit of it going to steal my joy. And one ain't one piece of it stealing my faith. And there ain't one piece of it stealing my confidence. It just ain't happening. And I, therefore, I don't have to be mean to you if you don't agree with me. And I don't have to be, I don't have to hate you if you hate. I don't have to do any of that garbage. Why? Because I am governed by a kingdom, not of this world. All right? And, and so, so kingdom life, as we live life in the kingdoms of the world, leads to life, Jesus promised, because... God's kingdom is life. The kingdom of darkness is what? Thank you. The kingdom of darkness is death. Sin is death. The kingdom of darkness is death. But the kingdom of God is life. You find life in the kingdom because the kingdom is life. All right? Now, so what happens? So Jesus comes. He makes a promise. The promise is that you can live in the kingdom of God now. But the problem is there's only one way then I can enter into the kingdom of God. And that is belief in Jesus Christ. Belief in the Son of God. You see, it is belief that leads to a new life. Unless you are born anew from above. Unless you are born again, right? And it is the new life, born again experience that leads us and births us out of this world into God's life that he has for us. Watch what Jesus said. Jesus said this. Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world. How many know we know that scripture? That he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, where is eternal life found? I know the answer. You're gonna say in Jesus. Okay, that's not the one I'm looking for. Eternal life 
is found in the kingdom of God. That's what the scripture tells us. Eternal life is found in the kingdom of God. How do I enter the kingdom of God? I'm glad you asked. I enter into the kingdom of God through Jesus who is the door. There's only one way into God's kingdom and that is putting your faith in what Jesus Christ did. There's a lot of ways that people try. They try their good works. They try uh, being a good person. They try their own works of righteousness. They, they try a lot of things to get in. Religious exercise, religious activity. But the Bible clearly tells us that there's only one way into the kingdom of God where current eternal life is, and that is through Jesus Christ. How I many know church attendance ain't getting it done? Giving ain't getting it done. Being a good person is not getting it done. Although you're a good person when you start following Jesus, amen? Doing good works isn't getting it done. It's only through Jesus that leads us into. He is the door. How many of you know, how many of you believe today that if you are an immigrant coming in America, you should come in as the legal way? How many know Jesus is the only legal way that we can migrate into the kingdom of God? That's it. That's it. He said, I'm the door. I'm the gate. I'm the way in. Right? And so now, what happens? So, so he comes, he says, I'm making a promise that you can have kingdom life now in the kingdom of the world, and the only way you can get that is by through me, and when you come through me, you now have eternal life. And listen to me, your eternal life does not start the day you die. It starts the day of your conversion. It starts the day you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? So what happens? So this belief leads me into the kingdom, leads me into Jesus. And then it really starts to get really even better. You see, because now belief leads me to what I'm going to call an identified life. Who am I? Who are you? Who, who are Do you understand that the Bible tells us that we're a new creation? The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. I'm a different person. I'm a different species. I'm a different creature, the Bible says. All right? I'm totally different. But, what? but the, so the question now becomes, but who am I? Let me show you scripture. John 1. But as many receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, sons of God, even to those who believe in his name. Do you know there is an identity change the moment that you put your faith in Christ? Do you know that we are, we are how, many, how many hear this all the time about people in the world? That we're all God's children. No, we're not. We're all God's creation, but we're not all God's children. We become God's children when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We become sons of God whenever we put our faith in Jesus you see, because the Bible tells me that I have been transferred, that I have become a sons of light. The Bible says I've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And, I, I, and so my identity is now different, right? Belief in him leads to a life that is now identified with him, okay? When you said, I do, how many know that the rest of your life became identified with that other person? I would sure love to know what was said over there. <laughs> was that about me? Okay. I'm saying. So, so when Penny and I stood before the church, we said we do, she became forever identified with me. 
God help her. And I became forever identified with her, right? You see, you got to understand something. When we are coming to Jesus and we come to him in faith, we're basically saying, guess what? I do, I will, I believe, and now I am forever now identified with him. What does that mean? Well, let me show you, all right? Belief in him, belief in who he is, should lead to belief in who I am, all right? You will never believe who he says you are until you have a total belief in who he is. Many times our identity failure to see us as who we are in Christ is because we're not fully believing in who he is. Or, or it's this, I can, I can believe for who he is, but I can't believe that about me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Think about this. Belief in him leads to sonship. How many know sonship has its privileges? Sonship has its responsibilities. But I want to show you something. How does that happen? Jesus is a son, therefore we are sons. If Jesus is a son and our faith is in him, now, just like Jesus, I become a son of God. Right? I am just, in terms of being God's child, God's son, how many know I'm on equal footing with Jesus? Now, I'm not putting, don't get me wrong, I know Jesus is the king, don't, okay? Don't don't try to say something I'm not saying. But I am telling you, as far as sonship goes, you and I are sons just like he is. If we're sons, here's what the Bible also says, that if Jesus is an heir, the Bible says we're an heir. If Jesus is an heir, we're a co-heir of Jesus. Do you understand that when you read the scriptures and you see about Jesus being a son, Jesus being an heir, those same things are true about us. But yet, it's easy for us to believe it about him, but not us. Right? Right. I'll just talk to myself. How you doing, Jim? I'm good. I like your shoes today. Yeah, I thank you. I like you. Belief in him leads to a life of priesthood. Okay? Jesus was a priest. I mean, the Bible says we're a priest. You see, this is, I've said this many times. I said it Wednesday night. I'm going to say it again today, and I'll say it again probably for the next 10 years. Most Christians live unfulfilled lives because they only live out of sonship and not priesthood. Sonship is intimacy with the Father. I get it. We're like, oh, Jesus, I'm just the son of God. I'm so blessed. He's my father. He's a good, good father. Bless me, Daddy. I want to be a spoiled little brat. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to have any responsibilities. Come on. But see, then there's this other side of Calvary. This is by his blood he made us priests. And the priesthood part is the mandate. It's our calling. It's how we live. We're mediators between God and man. That I serve. I sacrifice. I spend myself on behalf of the Father. I spend myself on behalf of man. That man can find God. How many know there's a calling to our lives? But we don't, we'll never live fulfilled if we only live out of one side of that. When we live out of both sides, you'll find fulfillment. You'll find life. Okay? Belief in him leads to citizenship. What does that mean? That means I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God that dictates how I live in this world. Right? That I don't have to be bound. And I'm not talking about the legal laws of this land. I'm talking about the laws of the land in terms of how culture acts, how unbelievers act. That again, I'm governed 
by a king and kingdom, not of this world. I'm governed by the law of love. Remember that one? Love is patient. Love is kind. Ugh. Let me say it again. But love is kind. Does that mean love is kind even to the one on the other side of the aisle? Yes, it does. Sorry. Love is kind? Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things I become governed by because I'm a citizen of the kingdom. And then the scripture shows me in John, John talks about this other thing that Jesus said, that belief brings me to and leads me to a life of satisfaction. Have you ever met anybody that's never satisfied? Like, with anything. And I think there's some healthy things about that if you're not satisfied, as long as you're dissatisfied with the right things. How many of you can be dissatisfied with the right things and dissatisfied with the wrong things? But belief leads to a life of satisfaction. Belief in him leads to satisfaction in him. Watch what Jesus said. Here it is. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Hmm. Hmm. How does that work? How does that work? That Jesus said, if you come to me and you put your belief in me, you'll never hunger and thirst again. Right? That's, how does that work? And it struck me how it works. It works like this. We're satisfied in him as the appetites of this life give way to the appetites of his life. How many of you would say that when you got saved and you gave your heart to God and you gave him control of your life and you became a, and, and all of a sudden, how many of you would say that your appetites changed? I got a couple. Right? I see that hand, Jeannie. That your appetites changed. There's something that became different. Look at Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had an appetite for money. He had an appetite that caused him to lie, to cheat, to steal, and to rob the poor. And yet when he found Jesus, his appetite changed. When Jesus found him, now he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to give half of what I got to the poor, and I'm going to pay everybody back what I stole from them four times. His appetite for money changed because he put his faith in Jesus. I want to ask you a question this morning. Have your appetites changed? If they haven't, I'm going to suggest you might be unsatisfied or dissatisfied. An appetite for this world will always leave you hungry. But an appetite for his world will always satisfy us. There's a lot of disgruntled millionaires out there. I'd like to try to be one, but I'm just telling you, there's a lot of disgruntled millionaires out there. There's a lot of disgruntled people who you would look at and say they have everything they could possibly want. Money, cars, houses, the nicest this, the nicest that. They got far more than you have. And yet, there's no joy, there's no peace, there's no rest, there's no satisfaction, there's no contentment. Because it is the appetites of the world that will always leave you wanting more of the world. You know why? Because there's something about us that always wants more. If I got a million and you got two, I want three. I mean, you know, there's a competition in the world. 
and Eve were put in a perfect paradise and had everything they wanted at their disposal, that they would live a satisfied life. And yet, the one thing that was not afforded to them became the appetite of their life. And when they succumbed to that appetite, death came in with it. When they succumbed to that. Because, listen to me, isn't it amazing that sometimes the thing that we don't, aren't to have becomes the very thing we want and becomes the appetite of our life that leads to death. Jesus said, if you believe in me, you will stay satisfied. And I believe the reason that we're satisfied is because something changes in us where the appetites of our flesh, the appetites of our flesh are overcome by the appetites of our spirit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We are satisfied in him because it's in him that our appetites change. You got 12 men that followed Jesus. Do you think they had an appetite for persecution? Do you think they had an appetite for being beheaded, stoned, boiled in oil, martyred? Do you think that was their appetite? But how many know what you have an appetite for will sometimes cause you to suffer? Sometimes what you have an appetite for will cause you to do things you don't really want to do, but you do them because you're trying to fulfill the appetite. In other words, I, I, I've been trying to get more healthy lately, and I've been doing a lot more exercise, and I hate it. <laughs> but I do it. Can I get an amen? Okay. See, not everything you do in life you enjoy. Not everything you do you like. How many know being, being, being kind to your enemy really doesn't feel all that good? I don't really have an appetite for that. But because you have an appetite for Jesus, it changes the appetite and your attitude and the actions of your life. Satisfaction comes. My appetite's different. And so now I have trying to teach myself to be, be satisfied with carrots and celery. Joy, joy. Oh, I'm going to sit down and watch a football game. What are you going to eat? Carrots. Oh, praise God. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> Can you get me another carrot? <laughs> no. When, 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 it, when they're telling you that you need to lower your glucose some and you need to lower this over here, okay, so you're trying to lower your glucose, which means you've got to get rid of some carbs and some sweets, okay, but then they want to raise your, lower this cholesterol, raise that cholesterol, and lower this triglyceride, so you've got to watch your fats and your proteins over here. Oh, just please, great, thank you. I'll have, a, I'll, I'll have, I'll have some grass and a side of ice cubes, please. <laughs> no? But really what happens is when you get an appetite for Jesus, the appetites of your life change. And then you find satisfaction in him. Belief leads, here's what, and then, and then this belief, my belief in him leads to life through the spirit of God. Because let me tell you something. This thing ain't happening on its own. This thing's not happening in my natural ability. All right? Here's what Jesus said. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, 
from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. The promise of Scripture, clear back into the Old Testament, that there would be a day that God would put his Spirit inside of human flesh. That God would put his Spirit inside of man. Because we absolutely need that, don't we? The natural man needs all the help he can get. Right? And so, I begin to think, the life of the Spirit puts to death our old life. Romans tells us all about how the Spirit of God is the one who takes the works of this old life and starts putting them to death. How does he do that? I'm glad you asked. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have done away with some bad habits after getting married? Okay, good. I see a few of you. The rest of you are the same heathen you were when you got married. <laughs> and that happened, and how many of you would say that your spouse helped you eliminate those bad habits? <laughs> this is one sheepish crew, I gotta tell you. It was like, I don't know if I wanna put my hand up. I'm committing to too much, because I can see it now. You, the guy's putting his hand up, and she's saying, you did? <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> right? You, you see, you had this helper, you had this person in your life that was all, there all the time with you, all the time with you, and every time you started that, they're saying, excuse me, we don't do that, you don't do that. It became a guide, a tutor. No, it's not called nagging. And she or he helped you get rid of that old life. This is what the Spirit of God does. The Spirit of God begins to convict us, and all of a sudden, no. You see, because you've got to understand something. When I put my faith in Jesus, my belief brings me into the kingdom of God through Jesus. I'm now living in a kingdom I don't know how to live in. I know how to live in this world. I know how to live in this world. I know how to live uh, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. And I know how to live, right? I know all that. That I can do. But this kingdom that says love your enemies, Ugh, I don't know how to live in that one. This kingdom that says bless those who persecute you, I don't know how to live in this one. This kingdom that says turn the other cheek, I don't know how to live in this one. This kingdom that says go the second mile, I don't know how to live in this one. This kingdom that says deny yourself, whoa, 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 time out. I don't know how to live in this one. I need help. God says, that's right, that's why I put my spirit in you. And he becomes the guide on how to live in this kingdom. He becomes the guide, the tutor, the teacher, how to live in this kingdom. And now he's the one that puts his finger and says, no, no, that attitude there, that, that's not kingdom, that's not Jesus. This action's not Jesus, right? The Bible says he convicts us of sin, right? And now slowly and gradually this old life keeps fading away keeps fading away because you're a new creation in Christ. The Spirit then leads us to a life of power. How many know I don't have to sin? Oh, we all like the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. Hmm? We have a power over sin. We have power in our life. How many know that that Bible tells us and promises us that there's gifts of power that he wants to give to you? 
That when you read 1 Corinthians 12, how many know there's the gifts of the Spirit? What are the gifts of the Spirit? It's the power of God in and through your life. How many of you believe in the word of prophecy? How, how many of you believe in exhortation, wisdom, miracles, healing? It's the power of God in and through your life. But it only comes by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of life leads me to a Christ-like character. What does that look like? I already mentioned it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. The fruit of the Spirit. I don't develop that on my own. I can't develop that. I need help with that. And that's where the Spirit of God comes in. How many of the Spirit of God will speak to you? To speak to your heart. You see, it's the spirit of life that Romans called, Paul called them, that leads me to a life in the kingdom of God as I live in the kingdoms of the world. Right? And so, so, so when you look at this, there is a life that he purposed and planned for me. There is a life that he purposed and promised to us. And it is a life of satisfaction. It is a life of spirit-empowered living. It is a life of eternity that starts now. It is a life in his kingdom now, but not yet. You see, but the problem isn't the promise. The promise, is, the promise isn't the problem. The problem is, what are we believing you, you see, because you got to understand something. Many of us want enough belief to get to heaven. Because I don't want to burn in hell. I don't want to burn in hell either. But I want to live the life he planned for me now. I don't want to live a life, I put my faith in Jesus to get to heaven, but I spend the whole life on earth dissatisfied. I don't want to live the rest of my life as a weak, anemic Christian without the power of God in my life. That, that, that the life we have is the life that we believe because this is where belief leads us to. See, the life you are living is the life you're believing. You know, some live as if, uh, the only way we live is he's my ticket to heaven. No, he's your ticket to life. He's not just your ticket to heaven, he's your ticket to life. He's the, he's, that's not the door to heaven. He's the door to life. Do you want a different life? Hmm? I did. I did a lot of things before I finally surrendered to God. Now, let me know sometimes it just takes a plain outright surrender that says, I give up. All right, fine. Just fine. Ever do that with God? <laughs> Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand on this. Anybody ever had a spouse just looked at you and said, fine. How many know fine meant it wasn't fine? They could say fine, but it wasn't fine, and you knew it wasn't fine. And you looked back and said, fine. (laughs) We're all laughing because it all has an element of truth to it. Right? The life we're living is the life we're believing. Your life 
is in your belief. You will live what you believe. And, and this is what I, I, I want us to come to a place that we're saying, okay, I believe in him, but not just to get into heaven, but I believe in him that has a total ramification and impact in my life now. Get what I'm saying? Come on, Troy. Everybody just got a word of hope. I'll give a word of hope every Sunday. Hurry up, go around some area. Get around some area. I know every week I close with three words of hope. Come on, Troy. I see. It's amazing to watch the life flicker back into your eyes. <laughs> I, I often imagine what it was like to be that people seeing Lazarus come out of the tomb. <laughs> Listen to me. And I'm going to close because come on, Troy means 20 more minutes. Jesus came. He said, I come for a purpose. And that purpose is that you might have life. But eternal life starts the moment you put your faith in Christ. That you can live a life today. Your life today is a life promised by him of faith, belief, that you live as a kingdom of God, but that it's a life of satisfaction that you can, that you can literally live in this world and not have all the things of the world and be more satisfied than the world. That you can literally not have all the things that your fleshly desires want and yet be satisfied. Paul said, I have learned to be content in all things. Did a message months ago when COVID first started. And the reason that he was content, I'm content because of his contents. I'm content because his contents live in me. That you live a life and it's a satisfied life. Yeah, I wish this was better. And yeah, I wish this wasn't. And yes, I wish my son was still alive. Come on. Can we just get raw for a moment? But I'm not dissatisfied in Christ. It's not well with my flesh, and it's not well with my heart, but it's well with my soul. That, 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 when your marriage is on the rocks, you can still be satisfied in Him. When He's rejected you and deserted you, or vice versa, there's still a satisfaction you have in Him. When your health is failing you, and you're like frustrated and angry, and I'm all that junk, right? That in you, somehow, some way, there's still, I'm satisfied in Him. And, and then there's these, this promise of life in the Spirit. He's been, if you believe in me, out of you will flow rivers of living water. Do you know what that means? That you will be life. Think about that. Because you believe, you have life, and then you will be life. Because out of you will flow rivers of living water. 
So my question to you today is, are you living the life that you're believing? I would say yes. <laughs> Amen? But are you living the life he promised? And how do I live that? Belief. I believe. And believe, now listen to me. I'm going to be done. We haven't even been to 20 minutes yet. This belief is not just, I believe in my mind. No, it becomes that which causes action. Because now you begin to act upon what you believe. And when you act upon what you believe, it becomes your life. Amen? So, Father, this morning in this house... We first of all would say thanks that you sent your son who purposed us to have life, who promised life. And in him is life. And the life that he designed for us is in the kingdom of God while we live in the kingdoms of this world. And Father, this morning we have to understand that you are the pathway. Your son is the door to that life. Help our unbelief at times. May our belief in you lead us to a satisfaction in this world. That our hearts would be satisfied. Our spirits are satisfied. That your spirit would lead us and guide us and teach us and mold us and shape us and convict us and flow through us and become a life-giving source that we would be life. And Father, we would remember that belief in Christ causes us to be identified with his life. We're sons. We're priests. We're citizens. We're heirs. Because we will never act as what we are until we believe what we are. So, Father, today, take your word. Penetrate our hearts. Allow us to chew on it this week so that we can live the life that you intended for us through our belief. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, stand with me.